0: Magister Dixit, Magister Dixit, Magister Dixit, Magister Dixit. Welcome to Magister Dixit, a podcast that invites you on a journey into realms of expertise, imagination, and occultism delve deep into the minds of those that have dedicated their lives to mastering their crafts and how having an esoteric or supernatural influence has shaped that path. In each episode we will engage with magisters, true masters of their respective fields, as they share their unparalleled insights, unconventional knowledge, and their unique perspectives. Venture into the mystical, as we converse with filmmakers, musicians, and renowned authors. Listen to their perspectives on their respected disciplines and how being a practitioner of occultism has influenced their craft. Remember, in the realm of knowledge, Magister Dixon, the master has spoken. Martin McGregor is an individual whose journey is as rich and diverse as the mosaic of his interests. Martin wears many hats within the realm of Satanism and spirituality. As an author and prolific writer-blogger, he delves deep into the intricate layers of Satanism, sharing his insights, experience, and knowledge with a global audience. Through his thought-provoking writings, Martin provides valuable guidance and perspective on various aspects of Satanism, magic, and spirituality, enriching the discourse within the community. As an integral part of the Twisted Tree Abbey, Martin contributes to the development of rituals, practices, and teachings that aim to empower individuals on their spiritual journeys. Through his work, Martin embodies the principle of community, collaboration, and enlightenment, helping others navigate their paths with wisdom and authenticity. Let's welcome Martin to the show. Okay. Uh, First off, Martin, I'd like to welcome you to uh, Magister Dixit, and uh, I always like to start off by uh, having the guests share a bit of about their upbringing and their early life experiences and the things that have uh, influenced your journey into Satanism and uh, your later uh, career pursuits
1: okay perfect no that's great uh, so I was actually raised in a bath uh, a Baptist household um, and I guess it was originally Catholic and my grandpa kind of left the faith. I was I was raised in uh, my grandparents' house uh, with my dad, and uh, yeah, I, I was. Uh, they left the the Catholic Church. I was raised uh, Baptist. My my grandma was the only one that really took me to church or anything, and it it never really resonated with me, uh, even from the very beginning. Uh, In Sunday school, like I would get into it with my Sunday school teachers over really like inane stuff that uh, people in that position sometimes feel compelled to kind of stand on a hill with. And uh, even back then, it just it didn't resonate with me. I didn't feel that connection. Uh, So in my teenage years, I kind of transitioned into like an agnostic viewpoint. Uh, I felt like something was there. I felt connection. Uh, just not to what I had been exposed to yet, uh, and I, I lived in that existence for a while. Um, and right when I, when, right when right around I was I was graduating high school, uh, my best friend at the time got into uh, some online resources uh, that were coming available right around then. That was this was in like literally 2001, 2002. Um, so the internet was still kind of the wild west as far as Satanism is concerned. There were some really good resources. There were some really bad resources, and uh, it was really a, a mixed bag uh, where you were getting your your information from. Uh, there were some uh, great resources. Uh, Tezrian's Vault, which S. Connolly was running even back then, was a great resource. Uh, you know, there were there were there were a lot of them. Uh, I remember. Did the- you have a local bookstore? You know, I really didn't, and well, I I should say there probably were, but I just wasn't aware of them. Uh, I wasn't tuned into the to the community enough then. Um, so, like, uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was literally the kid that. Uh, you know, in the off chance I'd been taken to the mall to go and and get some clothes or something, the parents would go off and do something and I'd get, you know, I could go and roam the bookstore uh, and I would be in, you know, like a Borders or something like that. And I'd be going to their uh, occult section looking for whatever I could find. And it's always the Necronomicon uh, and, and stuff like that. And generally back then you wouldn't even find a satanic Bible back then. Um, so... <clears throat> Right whenever I was graduating high school, though, uh, is when we started finding the internet uh, resources a lot more. uh, And we just started studying. Uh, I have to credit my best friend a lot. He really got into it, and that pulled me into it. Uh, And then I think we kind of flip-flopped, where I I started to feel a a much deeper connection uh, than maybe he did. Um, Satanism is a mixed bag. It has a lot of very colored history to it. Uh, It has a lot of colored present to it. And, uh, you know, I think he got pushed away by some of the things that didn't necessarily, you know, bother me as much. Um, And uh, so I started my journey. And as soon as I started reaching out uh, to the other side of things, uh, to Satan and to the demonic, uh, I felt an immediate connection. And uh, that is what really fueled my next, you know, 10 years uh, of just studying and practicing and, and doing my own thing. Uh, and, and that's really kind of my, my origin story. Uh, I, I came up the same way a lot of people do these days. You know, I was on the message boards and I was on the forums and, and I was, uh, listening to all the different opinions and trying to read a book or here, uh, you know, here, there, whenever I could afford one. And,
0: right. Wherever and, you could find it. Yeah. Uh, did you eventually find any mentors or influential figures who maybe helped play a significant role in shaping your beliefs?
1: You know, um, I would have to say in those early days, um, I really connected just with the words of Wavay. Um, maybe not so much the man, but the, the words in the Satanic Bible, the first couple times I wrote it really changed my life, really said, OK, wow, there are like it's, it's, it's OK to believe some of the things I believe. Um, and that really helped me. And then as I as I started going forward, um, I found Michael Aquino and uh, I, I never had a chance to interact with him personally or speak to him uh, but some of his works really then began, be began to shape my work even more. Uh, and do you think I, that's because of
0: the less of the atheist approach and more of uh, a, more of a deity or the, uh, the, the involvement of more of like Egyptian set style, uh, view of, uh, Satan?
1: I think you're touching on probably what what I gravitated more towards. Um, In particular, uh, The Diabolican really spoke to me so heavily. And uh, to this day, I feel like that's one uh, that it's to me an undeniably inspired uh, and touched work. Uh, And it really set down um, probably the first real work that I feel was channeled. It really was uh, this is a message from these spirits. Uh, it was one of the first times I encountered work that I I legitimately felt that way. Um, so when I read it and particularly that work, and then, uh, reading more about his history, uh, I, I would probably say that's the closest thing to a mentor I had, uh, in, in my very early days. And, uh, it, it, it was it was a rough t- road for me. It was. you know, I had a lot of really uh, hard times and and do I believe and do I not? and, and all those things that people generally you know have uh, when they're having legitimate, genuine uh, spiritual beliefs and and trying to follow them. And uh, I, I I see the same things I saw in in Aquino in early LeVay. Um, And then, you know, I think things just, things got complicated as they do. And especially when you are expected to represent an entire belief, an entire faith, uh, and you're in the public spotlight the way he was, I think that's gonna invariably change the way you communicate and change the way that you uh, you present your ideas. And that's invariably going to cause some confusion. And I think that also touches on something that's very important to Satanism, that it needs, that no one is talking about. Um, if you're a solitary practitioner, it's something that plagues you. And if you're a group practitioner, if you're in a coven or a group, uh, generally the leadership is not trying to push this message, which is it's okay to change your beliefs about Satanism. and And Satan, and that may be something that legitimately happened to LaVey is, is just his beliefs and concepts about the deity. We know as Satan changed throughout the decades. And I think that's something that needs to be allowed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's something that, uh, it was a good thing to touch on because it's something I've been thinking about that, that it's is needed in Satanism.
0: Absolutely. And uh, a couple of points that I, I'd like to bring forward, uh, First off, you getting into Satanism in uh, the two thousand in the millennia, and uh, what's interesting is that's already post Satanic Panic, and uh, really a lot of the internal combat within the Temple is set, and also in Church of Satan. Uh, so it's kind of really after the dust is settled from all of that stuff, and you know, and. and what you're basically saying still is that, you know, uh, it's a very tumultuous thing, you know, when several people get together, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the with a philosophy or a religion, and, and uh, hence why Aquino left LeVay and went and did his own thing. And later on, when they were losing a lot of membership, you know, they needed people like Dr. Stephen Flowers and Don Webb to kind of reinvent the Temple of Set because after a year or two or three, they didn't really have anything, you know, post or pre that, they didn't really have anything else to offer people. So people would kind of uh, be involved for, you know, two or three years and then they would move on to something else because there was no other higher levels or anything mm-hmm. like that. so. You know, there was a whole evolution that took place at that point, you know. So, but but with you coming in, you know, in the 2000s and stuff, you know, and saying about, uh, uh, you know, finding the books at B. Dalton, you know, uh, I'm more of a, a teen of the 80s, and uh, same thing, you know, we had uh, the B. Dalton's and stuff, and a lot of what the uh, people who would be outraged at that type of book was being sold, they would rip the covers off. And then the bookstore wouldn't be able to sell the covers, you know? So, uh, you know, and you grew up in St. Louis, right? I did, you know, um, and... How did your family and friends react to your interest in Satanism and the occult and how you began exploring these topics? Because I picture saying, you know, a kid from St. Louis, this isn't the common thing.
1: You know, it really wasn't. I would have to say that I man, okay. I I would have to credit the, I guess, the friends group that I was a part of um, at that time. Uh, You know, we were all, I had a very actually broad friend group, uh, but most of them were either nerdy enough that they were open-minded enough uh, that they would at least talk to me about it. And then others were uh, a a deep enough connection already that they were like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Um, So I at least always had to get I had the opportunity to have that conversation first Uh, and I know a lot of people don't, it's a knee jerk. Let's fight about it before we talk about it. Um, And I didn't, I didn't get a lot of that with my family. It was a lot of uh, this is going to be a phase. Uh, This is going to be something he's into now. And, you know, we'll talk to him later uh, whenever he comes out of it. Uh, And, you know, uh, for some of them, it's still kind of, I guess, in that, in that, vain. uh others uh, i know would rather me not be uh and that's fine you know i would rather them not be christian how Uh, how was there
0: your parents acceptance uh once they realized it wasn't a phase for you and this was actually a, a pursuit of yours
1: my mom um wasn't really around for a long time uh i've come to have a better relationship with my mom uh as I've grown older, uh, post adulthood, uh, but my my dad uh, raised me, and he's always been very supportive. I I can't say super supportive, but accepting at the very least. Uh, and then uh, we kind of have a a back and forth uh, relationship with it. Uh, I don't think he is upset that uh, it's a pursuit of mine or something I've I've written books about and made a part of my life. I think he regrets. And um, he, he he regrets and and mourns the position that Satanism is in within the world, and thus what that's going to impact upon me and possibly my family. So, or at uh, least a Baptist view of exactly. See that, and and that is his entire concern the the outside perception of it. Uh, and I just, I, 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 doubt he's internalized as much as I have what real Satanism actually is and what it does for people. Um, and then maybe he would see why I'm so passionate about fighting for it. And I don't mind having all of the misconceptions around it because it's worth fighting for.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you've written extensively on Satanism and demonology and like what inspires you to explore these topics, uh, Do you draw from personal experience? Is it just research or is it a combination of both?
1: It's kind of a combination of both. And then um, it's an internalization of Satanism itself, of me trying to practice the things that I write about and I espouse. So um, when I see things occurring and I feel like I have a voice that isn't being represented yet, that nobody is saying this, and I think this would contribute to the conversation, uh, that's generally when I'll take action. So whenever um, whenever I, I wrote my first book, uh, which I meant to have some out here and I didn't, uh, when I wrote Paths to Satan, it was a response to uh, essentially what we were just talking about, like people not knowing what Satanism really is, And then hearing about Satanism and what it is from people who have no clue about what Satanism is, Uh, and basically just being allowed to talk about it in any way that they want to and just throw anything they want at it. No, this is Satanism, and that is too. Uh, And it's like, well, no, hold on. I am a Satanist. Uh, This is what I do, this is what I live, and this is what I do, and this is what I live. So if we're going to talk about Satanism, then let's talk to the Satanists about it.
0: Well, Uh, much is under the umbrella of Satanism these
1: days. There's a lot. You have uh, things like
0: the Temple of Satan, uh, you know. uh, Satanic Temple. Yeah, the Satanic Temple, you know, and you have like the Church of Satan, but then you have like, you know, the order of nine angles and things like that and more, more darker esoteric versions of Satanism. And, you know, they all fall within the spectrum now that we call Satanism, but they're very, very different from each other, you know, from people who believe in Satan as an actual deity to people who are just using that word as a shocking attraction to their,
1: maybe a liberal lifestyle. You're seeing a lot of both. You really are. And this is, um, this is something that, that a, a really good friend of mine and someone who has become a little bit more of a mentor of mine in, in later on in life, is, uh, particularly once I started writing books, uh, was uh, Bill Duvendat. And Bill, uh, in one of the workshops that I sat in on at the last pagan picnic here in St. Louis, was talking about the age of Aquarius and about how people were talking about the the switch and how we're going to be in the age of Aquarius now. It's going to be so different. And he had a really great presentation and not to uh, boil it down and put words in his mouth or anything. But what I took away from that presentation was uh, the, you know, multiple thousand year age that we've been in has been an age of people Uh, doing one thing and saying another. So this is our outward message while we go off and do this thing. And I think um, Satanism in the late 20th century uh, still exhibited that. And I think as the organizations grew and became bigger, uh, it, it exhibited more and more of that. And now today, uh, as these these ages are shifting, which it's going to be a, a massive timeline. I'm not saying that this is actually happening like right now, uh, but I'm starting. I think we're starting to see the beginnings of organizations that actually do what they they say they're doing and believe what they believe, uh, or you know, uh, there's there's congruence there. Um, and I think in both uh, the mainstream satanic organizations. Uh, you do have that element of we're Satanists, but we're not. Uh, we are we're the Church of Satan, but Satan isn't real. Or it's a metaphor in this. And then uh, TST right. the same right. way. If you were that, defined the giant by, flavoring of political
0: activism. Yeah, if you were defined by what is on the media, you know you would think that a Satanist is more just a political activist.
1: Yeah, and and. I, I always try to be fair. I really do. And and as much as I see the drawbacks of, of these organizations, and I wind up talking about them quite a bit because they are the issues surrounding our faith right now, um, you have to give credit where credit is due. And the Church of Satan started it all for us. They really did. Uh, Anton LaVey, love him, hate him, he did the founding work. And everything that has come forward since then uh, for the most part, has been in big part to him. Um, there is many, many, many examples of Satanism that predate the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey, uh, but he founded the Church of Satan. Right, so
0: he was, and he was into a lot of things prior to that. He was a ceremonial magician. Uh, he liked Crowley very much. Uh, in fact, it, it, at the Black House, they had a, a portrait of Crowley on the wall.
1: You know, people want to um, want to really reduce people down to a job or two they had before something, or all these things. And you know, LeVay well, was a whole ass person. He was a whole damn person with you know history and and, and he was seeking that
0: knowledge the same way that we are. And he he read everything. You know, I, I'm sure it was Golden Dawn stuff into Crowley and. To,
1: <laughs> Everything that he had available to him, yes. you know, um, and uh, along the same coin, I want, you know, you have to give uh, the, the Satanic Temple uh, the attention and, and credit they are due. You know, they are fighting fights that do need to be fought. Um, they're doing a lot of the work where we need representation. We do. And they're doing it. Um, there were uh, there have been a couple different examples here in, in just the last uh, a week where they're taking legitimate legal action against things that, that do need to occur. You um, just had
0: that veteran that uh, chopped the head off of the uh, satanic temple in uh, What was it, Iowa?
1: Yeah, yeah, and then I'm going to forget the state. Um, I don't think it's Iowa. I think it might be Nebraska or something like that, but they, uh, one of their senators, I think, just tried to pass a bill saying that specifically satanic displays cannot be uh, erected on on state property and uh you know they they immediately took them to court they should that's awesome as, as uh, they
0: should absolutely
1: and and we need to that what what should be happening is now a bunch of other satanists should be taking action as well uh and supporting what they have started um so you have to give them credit too but then we also have to circle back around that you don't get better at satanism by running away from satan and a lot of the lessons that are really important get lost whenever you take the, the deity out of it and you take the something greater than yourself out of it. Uh, and let's, let alone forget the fact that Satan is real and he exists and you can interact with him. Like Let's just put that aside. There are other reasons why having something greater to believe in, uh, it, it, it actually keeps you a lot truer uh, to what you say your beliefs are.
0: Now, how do you envision the future of Satanism, both its terms culturally, its impact, and its place in the broader religious and spiritual landscapes?
1: I see um, a lot of possibilities, and some of them are fantastic, and others are probably uh, so dire that I don't even want to voice them. Um, I think we're, we're coming up on a really um, transformative time for particularly the United States, and uh, how that transform transformation happens and how Satanists take part in it is going to dictate our future. Um, it's definitely and, a
0: super important year. And I think the electricity by August, you'll be able to light the air with a match.
1: Well, you know, um, you touched on it earlier about, you know, people used to be ripping the books off of covers in, in the bookstores. Uh, and if I'm honest... I came up right at the right time to not experience a whole lot of that. Um, I really have, in that regard, lived the I live in America and I get to believe what I want to believe type of, of existence. And now, now is when, particularly in this area, we're starting to see an uptick of things where people don't want that to be the case anymore. You Uh, look
0: back on the ridiculousness of the satanic panic and how it was just founded on lies and allegations and all it did is destroy people's lives.
1: It really did. And, and it still is that, that mentality, even though there isn't a structured, let's have game show talk shows about it, uh, backing of it, it's still out there. And I know a, a, a shop owner here in St. Louis uh, that within the last two weeks has had, like, I, I believe they, they operate a shop in kind of a shared communal, like, strip mall area, I guess. Um, and the other patrons of, of their, their establishment, the, the other business owners, are, like, trying to keep people from entering their store because they sell satanic material. Um, and then it escalates from there. And then whenever the the shop owners don't want to take action and they want to just keep things quiet so that they can keep collecting rent from everybody and these people want to take recourse and it's like, no, these people are coming in and threatening us, our lifestyle, our customers, our way of living. Like we want protected the way that this country says we should be. Um, That's still going on now.
0: These Um, are most unusual times. And I've had a few of my previous guests feel that, Possibly a return of the satanic panic may happen.
1: Well, that's exactly what I was touching on when I said the way that that Satanists take part in this transformation of this country is going to it's going to dictate how we're treated and is going to dictate uh, our future. And I don't want to live in a future where I have to be separated from my family because of the danger that would be attached to them. Uh, because of what I've written about, the words that I've said and I've written down on paper, those are the things I've done that have they you would ever receive in. threats. No, I have. Um, I haven't received threats that I've. I've been like, I need to take this serious. Um, everybody receives a glare and a look and a and a murmur here or two, um, and maybe it's my nature. Um, to not take them as serious as maybe they are, Um, but I've never felt as though I I need to take action to protect myself because something someone else has done. Um, And I see that future very available for us uh, if we don't show that we recognize America is the home of Satanism. It's where it was founded in the modern day. I don't know if any other country on earth allows Satanism to operate the way that it does here. And people have strange ideas about how free other places are and what you can get away with and what's allowed. And I'll tell you some of the places that you think you're free, as soon as you start talking about Satan and not believing in the God they believe in, they will treat you different and not the way that you get treated different here. This Uh,
0: country is founded on occultism. Uh, whether you're talking the Burnout District in Upper New York or, uh, you know, one uh, of my guests, Ronnie Pontiac, wrote a book uh, about America's esoteric history. But I'd also like to bring up uh, Mitch Horowitz's uh, Occult America, where, the you know, you, you have the Edgar Casey days and stuff. And, I mean, we could keep going back to the colonial times and the Freemasonry or perhaps even the involvement with the French Illuminati at that time, you, you, you know, and you look at the design of DC and everything and, you know, and how the founders specifically separated religion from government.
1: Well, that's, that's the thing that.
0: Those don't sound like super pious people to separate religion from how their lives are going to be run. It's like they knew the toils of that, letting, letting religion also run government.
1: Well, you know, people want to um, forget the couple hundred years that that took place between actual landing, uh, you know, European colonists here and the actual let's found it with a document that's going to change history. Um, a lot happened there, and yes, even though the very original people might have been pilgrims and escaping the, re, escaping the religious persecution, persecution that was persecution. going on throughout Europe, um, these things impacted upon the people who frameworked this country. And one of the, the greatest things that they ever did was was the establishment of negative rights instead of positive rights in this country. You don't get to stop me. I'm not going to guarantee you anything really, but you don't get to stop me from doing the things that I have a freedom to do.
0: On that note, that's where I feel like maybe our country in the last maybe five or six years has kind of moved uh, the needle maybe in the wrong direction in that way. I mean, uh, when there was a time when you would allow these Nazi protests to take place in public so people could see just how fucking ridiculous they are and and, you know, you could mock it and it it was good to have it out in the front that you could see like those kind of things. And uh, in today's world, no, that's not happening. Like uh, now, you you know, uh, sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, we shifted into another alter reality by, you know, with these super colliders or something in a way that I never thought that the left would be pro war or against freedom of speech or, or, or you, you know, it's like, I thought we were the defenders of, you know, free, uh, of freedom of speech and that everybody gets to say what they wanna say, whether you wanna hear it or not, I still get to say what I wanna say.
1: See, uh, that, that is, you're very right. I, I believe the exact same thing. And I think um, I think our politics are based around the concept that people have short memories And people forget the lessons that are are learned throughout history when when we start believing that we have a a moral uh, uh, superiority than others and we're allowed to to dictate what people believe and think. Um, I I think these
0: these people that are running the country right now are from the generation that was anti-war.
1: They are, and, and they also came from the generation, uh, at least on, on certain sides of it, that we thought that that should be still on the side is I will fight and die for your right to disagree with me and to say what you're going to say. And and the whole um, – people really have forgotten just how f- – I, I really don't want to voice this into existence. I don't want to manifest this Um when you when you look at people trying to police speech and put people in jail for memes because they don't like what they're saying and they don't like the thoughts that are in their head, and then have no, no conception of how outnumbered they are in the voting block, and what happens when you set the precedent of we can jail people for what they think and believe and say. And now you're on the short end of the stick as far as what you think and believe and say spiritually or in any other regard. Um, To give a very blatant example of this, let's start jailing people for hate speech uh, and then let's uh, allow the massive Christian congregation in this country to vote uh, abortion rights Uh, uh, When you advocate for that, that's hate speech because you're trying to kill a kid, uh, and now uh, you're going to jail for that. Is that the precedent that we want to set? That's a straight line. That's a straight line in what's happening in our culture right now. You start locking people up for what they believe, and they're going to come after you for your abortion advocacy, and then you're going to go to jail for it, and you will have set the precedent. Um, this, is the, this is the danger of what I say, the way that we interact with this transformation, the way that we engage with this country, the way that we accept that the people that show up make the decisions, and the ones who are, are going to fight for betterment, regardless of our history, are the ones that are going to get support. Um, it's, it's a dangerous time, to answer your question. Uh, I see Not, a not, not to good. mention
0: the infusion of technology and social media, and uh the keeping tabs on people and collecting your data yeah to build um, profiles and you know uh, they even talk like uh what is it the social credit score to be built you know according to what you post and what you
1: read and what you follow on the internet yeah and and just just think that now, you, you did that to keep Nazis offline, and now hyper-Christian conservative president comes in, and mm, now, you, now you can't go to visit your mom who's dying because you can't buy a subway, train, or airport ticket because your social credit score is, is, is low. Well.
0: You've already um, flew this year once. You've had your allotment.
1: Or uh, you've <laughs> had your loaf of bread for the week. I
0: don't know what to tell you. Let's shift gears, Martin. And if you don't mind, let's talk about uh, Twisted Tree Abbey. I want you to explain to my listeners what that is and how this spiritual community contributes to the broader landscape of Satanism.
1: Okay, so... um... Kind of to, to hit back on what I said before, I usually do things, um, I take on projects when I see things need to be done. And uh, I wrote my second book, Book of the Fallen, because I saw uh, the gap between the atheist and theist communities widening. We weren't finding more common ground. We were chipping away at our edges to where we were, we were getting even farther apart. Uh, and that was the driving factor of that book is to try to develop an ethos that could be shared, that we can we can see where we see things the same, even if we disagree on the technicalities of how they come about. And Twisted Tree Abbey was, again, my decision to take up the mantle and decide uh, to, to throw my, my hat in the ring and see if I'm capable of delivering the kind of satanic organization that is required to give nuanced, mature, responsible, satanic input and insight into our modern culture and faith. Uh, And it's because I'm seeing these things Happening where that's not the case. And our faith is so much more than trolling. It's so much more than a reaction to what's going on around us. We can inspire, we can change through what we, we believe without it having to be uh, a negative thing that happened that now we're going to have to try to fix that. And like I said, there's a lot of, of important work that is going on in that regard, but the, the detachment from what is greater than us and, and really that detachment is what allows the fidelity to what you believe in to be lost uh, and the, the perspective to be lost. And now you can do things that are actually counterintuitive to your own movement. Uh, and a very uh, a clear example of that. And I hate to harp on it, but this is what we do. This is Satanism. It's what our our, our faith is doing right now. And if you look at um, the the debate around abortion and the debate around what's going on legally with that, um, there's a very clear legal stance that needs to be you know established, which is, access to healthcare needs to be an imperative. It's, you know, that's just, that's just it. And there definitely doesn't need to be a soccer mom or a politician or anyone else in between a physician and a patient's decision on their healthcare. Like that, I think that's something we can all come together with. Um, But when you start looking at the landscape, like I said, around free speech and around hate speech and let's jail people for what they believe. And then we start making Uh, abortion a religious ritual tied to your religion now you're you're really creating an atmosphere where dangerous things can happen and you're completely forgetting the fact that maybe a lot of inspiration can come from the fact that uh there is if we are focused on the uh the potential that lies within human humanity the divinity that's in each person the right of each person to their own body autonomy and and to d- determine their own destiny and everything about themselves, where does that pregnancy fall in line with that? And this is a debate that Satanism should be having really mature, nuanced conversations about, uh, and and where the greatest uh, responsibility lies between uh, protecting that future person that may actually really impact the world through their own individual black flame and protecting the autonomy and the rights of of the mother and and keeping the government the hell away from it. like the, the, these are all way nuanced and complicated. That would
0: apply subjects. with these vac- with the, that would apply with these vaccine
1: mandates as well absolutely and see these are things that that once you aren't coming at things from a, a, a response angle and you're actually looking to inspire the culture through the beliefs that you hold deeply, that's the difference in, in what Twisted Tree Abbey is, is going to try to bring uh, than what we have currently.
0: Right. And, and while we're talking about your book, uh, The Book of the Fallen, you also discuss the potential influence of Satanism in the new millennium. What do you see as the key principles of this Satanism that will shape the future of society?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like such a, a politician here, but I think I think Satanism can can save our country. I really do. Um, I think uh, and uh, an army of intelligent, inspired, uh, authentic Satanists who believe what they say and do what they are, uh, say they are going to do, um, could impact the future of our country in a way that it would be different uh, than it would be if if, if we don't. Uh, we, definitely positive-
0: need, we, we definitely need more adversaries to the status quo.
1: That exactly, and and that's really um, over the last few years. Probably the greatest insight I've gotten into my own satanic practice is just how much um, Satan, how much more Satan may be than an adversary. Um, There's so much more to that, but just how freaking accurate that label is to the world that we've all been born into. Uh, the world that, that has been the construct and the architecture of the Christian world. Um, he is absolutely the adversary to what that has built. Um, when you start to move away from that, he becomes something much different. But to that system and to the people who named him back then, yeah, that was an accurate one. That They pegged it 100%.
0: And to jump back, how we talked about this country and how it's been formed in Satanism and occultism. I mean, that, 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 that's tr- totally true because it was founded by people who were adversarial to the status quo. We don't want to live like this. We would rather go out and do our own and be able to express ourselves and
1: do our own thing. And and the status quo they were escaping was the very hyper religious European establishment that I mean essentially that was they were coming out of the Dark Ages they were coming out of uh, that system of ruling the world. Well, they only uh,
0: wanted you to to subscribe to one flavor,
1: and that was it. Otherwise, you were persecuted. Absolutely. Um, and, and that is what this, this country was built on. So um, the things that, that are imperative for Satanism to, sur- to survive, um, free speech, freedom of religion, separation of church and state, uh, and I can go down a, a laundry list of a whole bunch more, the things that are imperatives within our faith— are also going to be the imperatives of our country in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, If those things go away, we will too and it won't be pretty and everything else is going to change very radically as well. Um, If we can fight and survive and help retain those things for our country and the world, um, then we might be able to influence the world uh, in in the way it needs to be. Uh, and without that, I, I shudder to think uh, exactly what might happen.
0: Well, you have the erosion of the middle class, which is going to create even more distance between the haves and the have-nots. And, and that's totally going to create yet another wall in this uh, myriad of tribal things that we have to subscribe to. And... Uh, whether it's, you know, political or like we were saying, whether you're pro uh, shots or anti shots, there are all these uh, ingenious ways of dividing us and splintering it down further and further. We'll find something that me and you don't agree with. And then we'll use that as the rift to uh, never engage in a logical conversation of compromise or, you know, Mm. to really get, come down to a solution, you know? And I feel like in
1: today's world, especially political world, that's really where we're at. You know, um, I think uh, something that you're, you're hitting on uh, is something that doesn't exist in this world anymore. Uh, And in my grandpa's day, I remember him having friends And they were the son of a bitch friends. And they agreed on nothing, and they would debate, and they would argue. But you know what? They still cared about each other. They protect and they,
0: each other to the end, yeah. And the they way.
1: wanted good for each other's families, and if one of them got a promotion, they were right there at the party to call him a son of a bitch and to argue the things they always argue about. <laughs> but they had that relationship, and they had that respect that, hey, you know what? We don't have to agree on everything.
0: The agreement Growing to disagree. Up,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and 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 that what that actually was the freedom of our country is to just be able to disagree, walk off your own way and do your own thing and nobody had to get put in prison over it, nobody had to get killed over it. None of that. It was just, you know what? He's a son of a bitch, and I love him anyway. Um, and, and we're getting really far away from that. And and Satanism is a good example of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we are a microcosm of that dynamic. And if we can heal that rift, then we can help others. And if we don't, then, then we'll go down right along the rest of them. And we'll be one of the first, because I hate to break it to you. We are outnumbered out there. Uh, so... <laughs> Keep
0: Absolutely. that in mind. No doubt. And, you know, the underlining thing in your book, too, is, uh, you know, you see the importance to you of freedom and the freedom of thought, speech, and the also to be able to critique Satanism. And, you know, the way that these principles are manifesting in society today, how or what role do you think Satanism will play in promoting them?
1: Well, um, I think through um, some of the work that's already been done, uh, we're going to be a, a, a first line in the in the the fight to keep religion from being completely integrated uh, into not so much the federal government, but the daily systems uh, like schools and uh, other public spaces where this is what impacts people's life every single day. This is what impacts a person's ability to actually live their life as the person they wanna be without there being consequences for it. Um, And we are going to be on the front line of sticking up for our rights and thereby sticking up for other people's rights. Um, And if, if we don't do that, then It's gonna. You're gonna see a a a theocracy start to to creep in in a way that we haven't seen before. So um, the the biggest factor that I see Satanists and Satanism playing, particularly in this country, is the the slow and hopefully the stop of that kind of theocratic spread, um, where I can get. I can get on board with anybody following any religion almost that they want to. Um, when you integrate that into systems that then impact other people who don't agree, that's where I have to draw the line. And I think that's where our country has drawn the line um, you know, historically. So in the future, though, I think the, the worsening tribal div- uh, divides that you're talking about… Are going to make it a lot more, a lot more available for those kinds of of tribalist integrations to happen, and it's not going to be just us fighting for the opportunity of Satanists, but also the and this is where I get back to the the moral superiority and the intellectual superiority that creeps in uh, to Satanism. You know, we we can't just fight for the rights of the people we agree with. We can't just fight for the right rights. We have to fight for them all. And right now, there's a a real strong current, let's say, of the right rights need to be respected and the other ones can can go away. And it's not even a thing where people make the distinction between uh, an, uh, an institutionalized form of something and a personal liberty um you mentioned nazism before i don't think anyone should get jailed for it i don't think anybody uh you know you can be out on the street doing your nazi thing all you want that's fine uh and i think that's how it should be when you start particularly in satanism and because uh I'm a leader in Satanism, or at least I hope to really uh, impact the future of Satanism. Uh, there, there has to be a kind of a dividing line in there wherein we say, yeah, you can be out there and be as, as, as Nazi as you want, uh, but you can't mix your, your Nazism with our faith because it is so counterintuitive to our faith. It is so antithetical to our faith, uh, and also it's just a pure danger uh, to our religion. Uh, I'm not going to have Satanism destroyed because Nazis decide to show up and say, well, we're the Satan, we're the Nazi branch of Satanism. Hmm. That doesn't exist. I'm sorry. Um, you're not a legitimate anything, uh, if you're a hundred percent Nazi and then you're also trying to be a Satanist. Uh, it just doesn't work like that.
0: And the same in music too, I think, you know, it's yeah like, uh, they try not to, you know, associate that with, you know, the rest of uh, the music scene, you know?
1: Well, again, and, and see, that's the whole dividing line is, uh, institutionalized versus private and your own personal liberty. If you want to go be a personal Nazi on the street, that's fine. And I want you to be as Nazi as you want to be. And you can do that in this country because our country's great like that. Uh, As soon as you try to institutionalize your Nazism into my legitimate faith structure and religion, then no, we're going to have an issue. Um, And I think that's just, that's an example of the dividing line that people need to start being able to have where you're allowed to do it, but you're not allowed to do it here.
0: Well, you could substitute that word Nazi for Christians or. Exactly. uh, Socialists or communism You know, it's uh, it's about the others imposing their
1: will upon us. Exactly. And, And we'll see that. And that's the the that is the lesson we have to always remember in that we have to always protect the right of the person we disagree with and not stifle the right that the uh, of the person that everybody disagrees with the person that everybody disagrees with that's the one that you have to protect because the second you let that one go then it's a majority minority thing and that's when it all comes tumbling down so it, it has to be and and that's a lesson that satanism in particular can really help teach this world in the next decades if we are good enough to live by it ourselves uh, which is, uh, you know, we have to, to protect body autonomy in all regards, not just the, the body autonomy of, of the mother, but maybe also of, of the baby too. Uh, and I'm not saying that that is the stance that Satanism needs to hold. I'm saying this is a conversation that needs to be had that isn't because it's become a political football, that because activism has supplanted actual faith and actual belief. Um, and and just to wrap it back to the to question that that's really what um, what twisted tree abbey and real satanism were formed to become and that's a home of genuine and authentic uh, satanic belief and practice. And so, what is that? Tell us. to, well, to we, you, what what is that? Satan is real. Uh, this isn't a, a, a metaphor or a construct. Uh, this is a, a, a thing that exists. Now however you want to define that, however you want to interact with it and allow it to be uh, an influence in your life, that's fine. But we're not playing any games where I'm a Satanist but not really. Oh, they couldn't even find the real Satanists to mess with no, I'm, I'm one of those. I am an actual Satanist because Satan is real and I interact with him. Um, the other one is that uh, everyone in the Satan uh, everyone in the world is a Satanist. Uh, We talked about this earlier. We were all born through generations of, of the spiritual and physical landscape of this world being bulldozed. We were born into the result of that. We were born into that world. And in this world, when you're born, you're a Satanist to somebody. Just because you don't believe what they believe, just because it doesn't matter what you believe. It's just not what they believe. So you're a devil worshiper. You're a Satanist. And that's true about every single person on Earth right now. Now, real Satanists accept that mantle, and then they also work towards becoming that Satan. As their religion, everyone else is someone that needs to be protected because they're also a Satanist. So, uh, you.
0: So, in your in your satanic <laughs> practice, it, it's much. In the way of maybe some other magical pursuits, in the way that we're trying to become godlike,
1: we are. Um, and in particular, uh, I think the highest form of Satanism for me personally is to walk the earth as a Satan for other people, uh, to be a force of them creating their own path, of stoking their own inner black flame uh, and not being dictated to as far as what the world is, what they can accomplish uh, and what they are supposed to do. Uh, that is a, a core belief and, and that, that is the, the thing where I find the most divinity within myself is whenever I try to inspire that uh, in others. So that is – those are two of the the core uh, tenets of being a a, a real Satanist, and the other one uh, is literally uh, to acknowledge that that Satan has different names and he has been worked with uh, throughout history uh, in different ways. And that's going to still be true today. People are going to call him by different things and work with him in different ways. And you need to be open to that and often inspired by that. Uh, And we remain, we retain the name Satan, though, because it is specifically applicable to the world and the time we live in right now. Now, after like what you've been talking about, after 50 years of us leaving our mark on this world, and the world has changed, maybe then we've earned the right to use a different name for Satan because we've actually changed the reality and the existence of that deity. We've changed what it means. Uh, but until then, uh, I don't, you know, there are a lot of, of organizations, uh, Aquino was a good example. He he took his Satanism and, and built the Temple of Set. Uh, he went backwards and found uh, a route that he felt was where he found the what satan was um in that time and he built his temple around that and i i see that too i see satan's work in throughout history and throughout cultures and even in his enemies satan pops up and so that's why i don't care if you're an atheist because he'll work with somebody who hates him won't doesn't even believe in him but you're so, also
0: saying that you have a personal relationship with satan and that you have in in that you commune with it
1: absolutely uh yes and,
0: and so, how, how do you prepare yourself for that is it a is it a, uh through meditation or are you doing a uh, is it some type of ceremonial magic or invocation? Uh, how, how, does, how, how, do, how does one talk directly to Satan?
1: Well, that's, that's kind of why I brought up that it's important that we allow people the freedom to, to see Satan differently um, and, and work with him differently uh, just as a, a rule because Mm -hmm. it may change over time and i think when when you're first starting out it's important uh, to just attempt to make a connection to reach out to to be open to the fact that maybe satan is different than what you've believed and maybe if you have no belief at all in the christian god that every time you have called and tried and wanted to make connection you have gotten nothing maybe just leave yourself open enough that satan will answer and by that's why core 101 just bare basics that's really all you need and then after you've you've actually felt that touch and now you go oh there's something more then you're going to start working into meditation so that you can actually control the things that are going in going on in your mind and in your body so that you can recognize changes when they happen and put significant weight on them. Uh, Develop a a ritual practice where you make time and space in your life to make that connection and feel what it is that that you originally confirmed that, okay, maybe there is something there. Because then through consistency, you're gonna one, build up an ecosystem around you. You're gonna uh, immerse yourself in that energy that's gonna fuel you forward. Is that uh, but, what you're
0: creating during the twisted tree, Abbey uh, rituals? Like I saw your stuff. You have like the outside thing going on with like with the fire and, uh, you know, the trees and stuff, you know, it,
1: it is, um, we can talk about that in just a second because it really is kind of like a, a systematic, um, grouping of exactly what we're talking about into a ritual construct. Okay. So, um, the, the. I guess the, the point I'm trying to hit on is, is it's generally going to be a progression where uh, you start off uh, just feeling and and knowing that you are in that presence, and then a lot of times people are going to diverge, and they're going to go down a very devotional path, and it's going to be about how great Satan is, uh, Satan is. And, uh, and it's just going to take a very uh, supplicatory and devotional turn or they will uh, probably go down more of the path I have where it's a, it's a results oriented kind of thing. Like I know that he's real. Um, and people say that a lot and I get it where you can put a lot of no weight to that at all. Like, but in my experience, if I'm being honest about the things that have happened in my life, I have to accept that Satan is real. That's just, that's what it is. So I go forward with that knowing, okay, well, if he's real, then I don't need to, like, supplicate myself to him uh, and do all these things to receive gifts. I need to take the things that he is showing me and apply them in my life to further my life, and then if I'm going to be the best Satanist if I can be, if I'm going to be a satanic leader, then I have to show people how to do the same. Um, So that's kind of the the divergence there that happens when people do start getting that daily, everyday, real connection uh, with Satan, and they build that relationship. And Twisted Tree Abbey is also built on a principle of zoetic magic, and that was something that uh, my co-founder and I uh, spent years developing together. Uh, and it didn't start out as a project of let's develop a new magical system. It started differently, uh, and it turned into that, uh, which I think is it, – it turned out better than we could have ever tried to design one, I would say. And uh, what it does is it really is, uh, like I said, it's a systematic way of, of building a, a ritual construct around that practice of – creating a, a connection, developing a, a relationship and building an ecosystem, and then applying that relationship and all the energy you've put into it into an actual result into what's actually do something with it. Uh, and and in this regard and in, in the regard of uh, zoetic uh, magic and ritual, it's a magical process for that. There is um, invocational parts to it. Um, it begins with a process of loading. So you're going to, um, whether you take elements from the book and craft a prescription, which could also be called a spell or an invocation, um, and you're going to use that to build an idol, and uh, basically build up a practice of idolatry and altar work. And you're going to build an ecosystem around that, but you can also do it with a spirit that you're communing with, uh, a guardian, a patron. Uh, uh, any, any system that you're working with, you can also just use this construct and this, this method of magic. So you start with the process of loading. And that is exactly that. Not so much loading a truck, but loading is in a lodestone. You're attracting all of this energy into this idol uh, and into this this altar. And you do that for a set amount of time. And then you're going to move from loading into reckoning. And you take that idol that you've built and you have take that, that, that sacred object that you've built and you've worshipped over this time. And you you take it out into what we call the circle of sacrifice. Uh, and that's exactly what you do. You, you uh, use a uh, demonolatry principle of spiritual activation through fire and you emulate the idol that you have made sacred. Uh, and in that way, you activate a, a spiritual battery. You All that energy that you've built up in that, you unleash uh, into that circle. Uh, and from that circle, you turn and you turn your back away from the altar because it's not about devotion and supplication anymore. It's not about even building the connection or having the connection. It's about using the connection. Uh, and you light a a triangle of fire, which is called the triangle of reckoning. Uh, and it serves a couple of different purposes. Uh, one, it's a challenge. It it forces the 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 worker to accumulate tools And utilize them in a responsible manner. Uh, It makes them approach their magic from a responsible standpoint and actually have honesty about what's going on. Uh, It says it a couple times in the book. If you look at what you're about to do and you go, what am I going to do? I'm going to burn my house down. Don't do it. It means that you're not taking this serious enough. Um, so there's that angle of it. And then there is like, if you do it right and you're actually being honest about it and you build a real triangle fire, there's something to stepping over that fire, uh, and letting it lick at your heels so that you can get into the middle of it and receive the reckoning of that spirit that you've conjured. Um, and in that moment, it's not about conquering a spirit or poking it with anything or or forcing it to do anything or compelling it, uh, commanding it to do anything for you. Uh, It is actually about ingesting that spirit. Uh, And the way I like to envision it is you have the altar burning behind you, uh, and that is the battery, that is the source of the fuel just burning off into that ritual space. And you carry with you a a beacon, a, a blazing torch, and that connects you to that altar behind you and in your other hand you you bring with you a focus uh and that is what you're going to be focused on in the time of working that comes next uh and that that demonic energy uh or what other energy that you've raised uh travels from that spiritual battery battery from that that idol that you've sacrificed and activated in the spiritual realm and it arcs from the from the, the altar to the beacon, through you, into the focus, and then back to the altar, and it completes that circuit. Uh, and as long as you can stay within that triangle, uh, the more reckoning you're going to receive. Uh, and then, as I said, you move from reckoning into the time of working, uh, and that's when now you're, you're expected to, to produce something. Uh, from this work. Now, whether it's a book, whether it's music, uh, whether it is just conquering a fear, uh, whatever it is, now you're in a time where you actually have to apply that. You actually have to use it. Um, and that is um, essentially the the entire um, process of, of having an active satanic practice Uh, wrapped up into a a ritual construct that people can use uh, with any spirit Yeah. Now, uh,
0: that ritual, is that something that you need assistance to perform? Or is that something that you can do alone?
1: You can do it alone. Um, If you do it alone, it it ups the ante as far as your personal responsibility goes. Uh, I always like to have somebody there with me um i that's what's
0: recommended absolutely
1: it it is um whenever uh ea and i were doing it uh we had actually uh several safety mechanisms in place but then we also had someone there who was our photographer even though we had stationary cameras everywhere uh it was she was there to make sure that nothing burned down. uh she was our we're feeling comfortable about somebody else who's not focused on the magic uh focusing on the effects of the magic going on right uh and i I have done these rituals on my own though uh and i have to say it's it's a, a a game of responsibility uh, which is something I talk about in in both of my first books, Responsibility to the Responsible. You are able to do this magic if you're responsible enough to do it, and if you're not, then you're not allowed to do this magic. That's just the way it is. Um, but I always have three, three fire suppression methods in place. So I usually have water, I'll have a blanket, and then I'll have a pile of sand or something. Uh, Or even if I have thought about it, I'll go and buy like a five case of of, uh, baking soda. Uh, And I'll just have I'll have all three of those staged around the ritual area uh, just prepared uh, in case. And if you can't if you don't have the outdoor um, space to do this ritual safely, you can convert it to an indoor ritual using candles, even tea light candles uh, and still uh, get the same effect. Believe me, I've done that, too. Uh, so, but the 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 big key is yes. If you can have somebody there to watch your back, uh, and also just to witness the magic, because uh, it does it, it does have an influence.
0: Yeah, another observation. Just to go jump back earlier when you were talking about the process. Uh, to me, it wasn't unlike. I mean, it had some some qualities almost as sigil work, in which you pour all this energy in, in into the sigil, and then we destroy it. Uh, we charge it, and then we destroy it. And we... Uh, in chaos magic, you would put it out of your mind. And really what what you're doing to some degree is programming the subconscious to go to work. So what, um, some people almost look at it as a means to communicate with your subconscious uh, through through symbols. And, yeah. And not, um... and not that you're process got into that or anything, but it just reminded me of channeling all this energy in, into something, t- uh, to produce a certain result. Yes. A- and um, then we have to do something with that, you know, it, and uh, whether it's, uh, you know, throw it in the fire or, uh, you know, destroy it in whatever means, you know, it has to have that full cycle. From creation to destruction, you know.
1: Yeah, um, it, it it was very much built on a couple of different spiritual principles uh, that are like that. Because even when you when you think about just base spell casting, uh, that's essentially what you're doing as well. Um, you're you're raising up that energy, uh, programming it, and then sending it out. And again, there is always that that kind of like, don't think about it now. Um, and don't focus on it. And that is, uh, it's a a subconscious trigger. It's really is a double trick because it's a subconscious trigger of making sure you're focusing on it by not, by not focusing Focusing on it. Uh, it's uh, like you said, it's supposed to then be like, well, I'm not going to think about that, but the magic's working. So let me go do this now. And it's, it's your motivation to get moving. Um, and and when the
0: results come in, that that's also, uh, really, uh, makes you go, know, wow. Like <laughs> yeah.
1: it, well, exactly. And and I, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because it, it highlights kind of um the, the theistic nature of this work. It really is, because um without that subconscious cue of now don't don't think about it, uh because that's also kind of like that's what proves the magic worked, is that I didn't even think about it anymore. And then the results came in and I'm all good. And and we have subverted that a little bit, and we've said, no, we already believe the magic's going to work. Like, I'm done playing that game. I don't need the proof. It's actually built in uh, to the system itself that if you want to do the best evocative magic you've ever seen, if you want to get the most flame evocations out of a ritual you've ever seen, turn your back on that altar. Turn, turn your back on that altar and not care if they're happening, and you'll get all the confirmation you ever need. And that's what we've done in saying we're not going to test whether or not the magic's working um, because we're going to see it in the results. So after I do this ritual, I'm going to go write the book that I was going to write anyway. And I'm I'm betting that it's going to be 10 times more divinely inspired than if I hadn't under, under undergone this process. And you can take that. And I'm fine with the implications of whether or not you want to treat that as atheistic, theistic, or egregorous. I don't care. All I know is it works. I know how it works for me. And if, and if you can see a way that it works in any way, e, either any of those three ways, I'm fine with that. It doesn't matter to me at all. Um, but that is the, the, the process that, that we've kind of set down and for me is absolutely confirmed that at the end result – the, the the product is far, it far surpasses anything that I would have dreamt up on my own.
0: Right. Now, now you had alluded through that conversation that you had did some work with uh, EA and how do you say his last name? Coding? Uh, Co-wedding. co Yeah. Uh, can you speak a little about that? How, how did you come in contact and what type of relationship you've had? And-
1: Absolutely. Um, so we've been working um together for a few years now and um it it came about really um just kind of out of the blue Uh, i had a a fan who was a big fan of my books who reached out to me and he was friends with someone who was uh like one of the main editors uh for become a living god and uh they just kind of like said, hey, we want to get a group together of guys to talk and be, you know, just like discuss this kind of stuff. And we're like, okay, yeah, sure. So um, I had had probably, if I'm being honest, some negative feelings about the company and his work um, prior to working with him. Uh, and it was through ignorance of not actually having watched any of the videos, read any of the books. It was, oh, look at this thumbnail and oh look at that you know the the copy text and look at the name of the company uh and i very much was looking at it from a shallow perspective um and even though there is so much and probably a little bit was like damn it that's a really great name become a living god that's you know we need to do that um so that was uh that was my feelings going into it but i also said uh, i had enough wherewithal to say i don't know this guy like Um, I need to, like, plus I'm a Satanist. I'm everybody's devil, and he is too, uh, to a lot of people. So let me at least uh, be open and see how things go. And uh, for probably at least two years, we just kind of worked on a weekly basis, not even working, just like we formed a group, and then some people fell away, and it it became kind of a core group of three. And for over three years, we, we met every week and talked for at least an hour. And it was a a huge benefit for me. And I hope it was a benefit for him as well, uh, where we got to one, form the kind of relationship where you can really talk with somebody, uh, particularly about complicated subjects that can get you in trouble. uh, If you're too honest or not, uh, you know, if you're if you're not Thinking of things in the right perspective and really being delicate about everything. All of a sudden, something gets taken the wrong way that you don't actually believe, but now that's what you believe. Um, you know, it's like we had that that freedom to to have that relationship, uh, and I got to know a guy who is genuine, who cares about the people he works with, who believes the things he says, um, and who consistently showed up every week. To do the work, to have the difficult talks, to have them in a respectful way that nobody got butthurt and upset and had to blow everything up. Um, You know, it was it was really a a proof is in the pudding kind of thing, I think, for both of us, because at that point he had written a bajillion books already and I had written two and I'm relatively obscure. Um, And he really treated me as an equal and listened to the things that I said uh, and I think allowed me to leave my mark on him, I think, the same way that he has left his mark on me Uh, and through all of that work. Uh, it just ended up that, uh, believe it or not, like that that process that I just described, um, we two years ago I think it was 21 in April, uh, so two years before we really started writing the book, uh, we stepped into flaming triangles with blank notebook uh, with blank books in our hand, uh, and then two years later came out with our Zuesha, um, and that was the. The, it was the discovery of the magical process that led to the writing of the book about the magical process um so we did all that work kind of in the background uh until before we even really started doing anything on a, a public level uh but yeah that's that's how it's all uh kind of come about as far as that project goes and then yeah he's uh he's coming on board on twisted tree as well as one of our augurs he's going to be highly influential in our uh magical teachings and just the the scope and width and breadth of the information we provide people uh to develop their own magical and spiritual practices so
0: you guys are still in contact
1: and oh he's uh, my brother and we, talk, we talk we talk we talk every week yeah he's he's absolutely my bro
0: but the little group that you had that would get together every week that's no longer happening
1: no um as a part of that magical process that led to the book um we we, rem- we we ended up being the only two uh that remained uh, one, a couple of them dropped pretty pretty damn quick and then wh- another one stuck it out for quite a while uh and if i'm being honest about it i think some of the magic that we did contributed to that mm-hmm. um it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's just a result And honestly, um, it's one of the things that goes back to, to what Twisted Tree Abbey is about is everybody in the world is a Satanist, and it's our job to find them their correct path. That path might be Satanism. It might be Christianity, and if it is Christianity, I want you over there as fast as possible. (laughs) So come here, and you'll figure out real quick whether or not this is where you belong or not. And if it isn't, great. Go find what is. I sincerely believe that. Uh, I don't believe everybody in the world is meant to be a Satanist, but they've been born to one where they are, and now we need to get them where they actually belong um and i just i'm not sure if if he that that last you know member of our group uh if he really was meant to be uh where he was at that time
0: and uh ea's also been hit with a little bit of uh, his own satanic panic and controversy Absolutely. uh with that uh case in england i think it was or whatever
1: yeah, a uh, uh, mentally ill individual. Um, were who, you
0: friends with him during this period, or was this... I was?
1: Um, that was kind of right in the in the beginning phases of it all. Um, and like uh, I, we, we began working together before it happened. Mm-hmm. And then um, right around one of the more crucial times that we were working, uh, it did happen, and uh, I was there for it. And it, it was a, a, a mentally ill person that got a hold of not even his books. Um, Because he went back and checked. He went back and checked. That person had never purchased a reading from him, a consultation, or a book, but he was a member of their forums, and he went off and and took some things probably that he had seen in videos across the internet. Who knows if EA was one of them, and he murdered two women, and uh, EA then was plastered with uh, being the inspiration behind it. Uh, the BBC in particular yes, took yes. they took they took basically conversations of him not even discussing sacrifice, but more um curses and stuff like that and wrapped that up into a neat bow of uh of him inspiring these murders.
0: Yeah, it was a hit job. I I saw it. it, it, it it's like on YouTube was, or whatever. You can
1: see and yeah, they they used one um clip of him talking about uh uh, uh, cursing, And in his, in the clip, he, he, he says that I don't care if you uh, use this curse to kill a person or to kill cancer, it doesn't matter to me. And that can be taken a lot of ways, but someone not in the community wouldn't know that I'm going to say at least 75% of the people watching that video had never even contemplated or considered that they could target a cancer with that curse. Everybody knows that you can curse a, curse a person. He was slipping in a little nugget of wisdom along there with a message that everybody would have expected to hear, right. and that's something that, from the outside looking in, they have no they have no conception of. Uh, so that was the result. And then there was also the, the the hit job done by the woman who's obsessed with him, who even admittedly said, oh, uh, yeah, I did that because I'm still in love with him and I want his attention. Like, I mean, it was she literally admitted it. So um, and he so he's still- actually
0: been a target in the public, uh, you know, like you said, for a couple of different things and, you know.
1: He's still living with the results uh, of it. Um, I don't want to share too much out of out of school. No, I but, understand
0: that's his uh, story and everything, and you know.
1: Well, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna say like some of the the places where you think would be free um, are not, and or at least not for him. That and, does not uh, surprise me. <laughs> and 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 he hasn't done any crimes. All all it is is what he's said and what he's written. Uh, and uh, and plans get changed, and and money gets uh, put out that doesn't get recouped, and all these things because governments that you think are protecting free speech of people are limiting it, uh, threatening people's children. Uh, all of the, these things just because they're satanists. So um, that's that's important things that are happening that do need to be addressed.
0: Well, there's that jump back to, you know, the whispers say that a satanic panic uh, is back on the rise.
1: And uh, like I said, the way we respond to it is is going to dictate the future for us. And, and I hope that we're becoming uh, uh, cognizant enough of that that we can respond in a way that, that guarantees everybody's survival uh, right. instead of guaranteeing their destruction. Cause I think the power really is uh, in that regard for ourselves and our own hands.
0: Now we, do, we talked in pretty good detail about book of the fallen, but uh, why don't you tell us about your other book and let's talk about that.
1: Ours uh, the West show is the latest release. And uh, that one, I, I kind of uh, outlined the, the magical process that that is contained in that book uh so the 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 bulk of it is that magical process the details of the ritual construct of how, how to it, perform it yeah exactly how to perform it uh, and then uh a lot of the story of how it came about and and the uh, thoughts and the uh, the divinity that came through us in the unfolding of of that 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 information and then along with that uh in that process, we were we were kind of given a, a, a process of taking the uh, the the I don't want to say the some essences of of uh, demonic spirits and and kind of identifying them through ourselves, kind of distilling some of those essences that can be found within these spirits and and giving it a, a word to them, giving a, a vocalization to it. Uh, and then building a table of that uh, to be used in the future for spell work, invocation work, uh, all those things. And it it really does become a a pretty comprehensive system of, of having a magical language to use, and a, a grand ritual construct to employ at the height of, of when you wanna do something big, uh, but then also a magical system that underlies all of it for the, that gives you the purpose behind it and the reasonings behind it that is in line with, uh, with what left-hand path uh, spiritual people actually believe and want to include in their spiritual practices. Uh, as opposed to something like Goedia, which this is a complete inversion and perversion of, uh, wherein you a lot of left hand path uh, practice for Goetia is just stripping away of things and then weaving a, a base construct. So we approached that from, well, here is an alternative construct, but then what's the meaning behind all of it? Like, Why would you alter a certain piece to influence something else more? Um, and the so, history
0: of Goetia is uh, not intact it, it was lost and then it's been reassembled in, in later centuries and i and a lot of scholars feel there's a lot missing
1: well there is a lot missing there and and if we're just being honest it was written by people who do not believe what we believe um the the dynamics that i i, I spend a lot of time uh talking about uh, the the spiritual dynamics of that ritual construct uh, in our zoesha and in my mind you're not you're not gonna be able to to influence a primordial being of limitless power through the uh, accumulation of a certain amount of tools or the invocation of a certain time of word or anything like that and if that spirit is going to leave its mark on you and influence you in a way that you're asking, it's doing that because it wants to. Um, and there's no other thing happening besides it's patted you on the back for or on the head for doing all the little steps that you did. And it's going to help you because that's what it's decided to do. And if that's the case, then why are we doing all these things? And we are why are we not doing the things that are built around forging that connection, strengthening it, making it as powerful as possible, and then directing it in a purposeful way. So the, that really is um, – that's the, the complete difference between a, a, a goetic working and a zoetic working uh, beyond just the, the terminology meaning uh, basically uh, of that which pertains to, to death versus uh, that which pertains to life.
0: Have you had any feedback from anybody who's purchased the book and performed the rituals?
1: I haven't had anybody uh, share ritual work with me yet, which uh-huh. I'm not surprised, uh, simply because of how complex the, the the ritual is. And it's been out for about a month now. Uh, and if you're actually doing the whole process, you'd almost just now be completely yeah Yeah, you're still using you know? it. Uh, so uh, not that but we've gotten a lot of really good feedback about the Zoetic table of elements uh, that we crafted and uh, just how natural of a, a spiritual lexicon it's becoming and again for me that's so cool and and confirming because that's not actually what we set out to do with that right uh, if I' um, if I'm telling tales a little bit um that section of the book was conceptualized out of trying to describe to people how to look at these spirits in a completely different new way than what those practitioners of Goedia were doing um, and what they believed and what their relationship with God and these demons was. Um, and to do that, you know it's like there were a lot of lessons that we got taught, that uh that confirmed for us that yes you we really need to start looking at these spirits as completely different um like for an example beelzebub being the the ward of rot and fester and flies and decay yeah that might be who he is to a practitioner of the art of paul the apostle and that has nothing to do with who Beelzebub is to Martin McGregor, the theistic Satanist in the 21st century. Um, and if that's the case, then it came to be that like the names themselves are tied up into so much preconception and history and baggage mm. that it becomes uh, necessary to start conceiving of new names. And we've done that. In a way, and we've also not shared uh, what demon names are associated with what words of power. Um, And that was a conscious decision because we want people to be able to work with these words and these spiritual elements without having that baggage and that history attached to it immediately. Because you can say, oh, and we, 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 um, we provided one example of it, and that was Satan himself. Um, and that was – he He translates into Akin Tak Kig, and uh, it's essentially like – it has a couple of different zoetic translations, but uh, that's what we did for the rest of the names, but we didn't give you who the demons are associated with, with what words. We may in the future, after people get a chance to work with the system and see the results, uh, but that is what those uh, those words of power come from, and that's probably the, the greatest response that we've received so far is from people uh, working with them.
0: Now, you were talking about maybe doing something later, uh, dealing with that. Is that the next book? Can you share any upcoming project or initiative that uh, you're working on, whether it's your writing? The other thing I want to talk about is the fact that you're a game designer.
1: Yeah, that one got, um, the game design got kind of backburnered a little bit. I I manifested into something in the world that, that nobody liked and I needed to, uh, backburner that and, and just kill it. So I haven't gone back to the game design stuff in, in 2018, 2019, I was designing a tabletop role-playing game where the earth had gotten mad at us and released noxious gases that made everybody walk around in a mask all day long. And, uh. Yeah, that was a little too close to home. Uh, I don't know how to try, to try to re-release that game after COVID. Um, so all of that has been has been back-murdered. And uh, I, I have these two books that I've written. I, I did a self-deification book with, uh, with EA Coetting as well, as well as Andrea Vidimus who is a great guy. I love, Andrea, uh, and Indy Blackwood as well. Uh, We did that one. Uh, We've done Ars Zalesha, And then moving forward, uh, I'm probably going to do a, it might be a solo book about a uh, divination system I've developed called Baphometic Readings. Um, In the uh, deification manual, I I developed a, a set of runes based on the Grigori, the fallen angels. And uh, using those runes and the the descriptions that I channeled from them, I've also developed a, a divination system that's uh, more Baphometic in nature than like a traditional tarot reading. So this is like a, a subject and then a stop doing this and start doing this to get this result type of system. Uh, I'm likely going to write a, a solo book devoted to how to do those kinds of uh, do those types of readings. Um, I'm going to hopefully get a set of coins uh, made for that as well so that you can actually use it as a full uh, divination set. And then I have a couple other projects um, that I'm considering, one of which would be a massive undertaking, but I think I'm pretty set on doing it now, uh, and that is a rework of Paradise Lost. I want to do that from a Satanic perspective. Uh, and and kind of rebring that that style of, of uh, storytelling and like parable uh, into the the satanic context uh, into the century. And there's
0: great speeches in Paradise
1: Lost. Exactly. Satan yeah. makes a great one. Uh, well, there's well also can,
0: Beelzebub makes a really good uh, speech as well.
1: You can see where uh, my love of the diabolic and mm-hmm. would would lead me to want to redo some of those uh, from the, from the satanic perspective. Uh, so from that, uh, those are my two written works that I'm pretty set on doing, uh, next. Uh, then there will be, uh, further, uh, Zoesha work, uh, getting put out with, with EA and myself. And I'd almost guarantee that we'll start diving down individual paths of demons and how to start looking at those from these new perspectives. Uh, I would not be surprised to be is one of the first ones. He really came through and taught us that lesson. Them so so strongly. Um, I am absolutely so so convinced that, that Beelzebub is a super angry nature spirit now. Uh it's not even funny. I, I've been absolutely convinced of it. Uh but That was that's that's probably the only other written work I have on the radar that likely is going to happen very soon. Uh, And beyond that, I have Twisted Tree Abbey and Real Satanism that are going to be major works. I'm going to be doing a lot more personal work with everybody, uh, readings, consultations, uh, really kind of stepping into a more of a a personal role in the community with that. Uh, So uh, those are it. And then I'm I'm probably going to graduate college about next year. So uh, that's the best way to follow you. Uh probably these days would be uh, realsatanism.org, real Uh and then also I'm um, spreading out on social media pretty widely. So whether it be Facebook, uh Twitter, YouTube, uh if you're lo- uh I would look for real Satanism and, and you're gonna find me. Uh and, and so, what about your books? Are they uh, available books. on Amazon? Uh Amazon for anything, uh pre Become a Living God. So that's Paths to Satan, Book of the Fallen. I'm even in an anthology called uh my name is uh I'm going to blank on it. Uh, uh, My name is Legion for for We Are Many. Um, That one's on Amazon. Path the Satan and Book of the Fallen are on Amazon. Uh, The Deification Manual Spellbook and Arzuesha are both exclusively on uh, Uh, becomealivinggod.com. I know Arzuesha is likely going to hit Amazon sometime soon as well.
0: Awesome. Martin, it was great having you on the show. It's been quite an experience.
1: It has been awesome to be here. I had a lot of fun. Please consider me anytime you need another guest. I'm happy to pop on. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, just thank you so much for having me.
0: Let me know when uh, your next book comes out. I absolutely will. Absolutely. Great. Take care.
1: All right, you too. Thank you.